everyone. Uh, this is Dr. Manette, and um, I am back with some soul and peace, back on this wisdom community platform. I was on here this morning, and um, I talked about um, what it means to be a true disciple, or I talked about true discipleship. And um, after I finished talking, it, it was like, I don't know, two something or three something in the morning. And after I finished talking, I listened to it. I went back and listened to it again. I listened. I listened several times all day and I just didn't like it. I didn't like the way that I delivered it. I felt like, you know, I gave you too much teaching, too much meat. Um, part of it is just the way that I process um, scripture in my mind. Um, I like a lot of context. I like a lot of meat. But sometimes I have to remember who I'm speaking to. And sometimes I need to uh, simplify what I'm trying to say. So I deleted it. I, I didn't like the way that I said I liked a lot of things that I said in the talk earlier. But um I didn't like the way that I delivered it. And I apologize. Forgive me if it was hard to take in. Um, so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to redo it. Um, and I felt like it was too long as well. I, I don't want to, you know, talk an hour and over an hour. But um, anyway, so I decided to come back. I decided to make it simple and specifically talk about uh, the cost of discipleship by itself. Um Earlier, I spoke about, you know, I kind of brought in um, the meaning of salvation, what happened on the cross, the Mosaic law. It was just way too much. And so I'm, I'm just specifically going to focus on um, the cost of discipleship. And I'm going to try to be very simple. So anyway, um, as I said earlier this morning, I hope and pray that everyone is doing okay. And if you're not doing okay, then I encourage uh, you to call upon the name of Jesus so that he can help you uh, because he already knows what you need before you ask him. He's ready to um, hear you. He's compassionate. He's ready to heal you, help you, and he's even ready to save you. So um, again, today, uh, tonight, we're going to talk about the cost of discipleship, and I'm going to keep it there. I'm going to try to be very simple. And um, this morning, I gave you the definition of what um, a disciple is or what that means. And if you look up the definition of disciple, it means it's a person who is dedicated to following some kind of a teacher, uh, some kind of rabbi or master, or some type of philosopher. But um, in the word of God, a true disciple uh, is a true believer who is dedicated to following Christ. So, um, again, I saw some people just jump in uh, and I just I'm going to restate um, what I just said. Uh, I already spoke about this this morning, but I'm redoing it because I didn't like my delivery. So I'm just going to give you uh, a simple, uh, more focused um, understanding of what it means to be a true disciple or um, what discipleship will cost us as believers in Christ. So just going to make a disclaimer here. I'm not going to talk about salvation, what it means in this talk, but I do want to say that uh, salvation itself, it is free. It's the free gift of God. Uh, we don't work for it. We don't pay for it. It is free. But when we come into salvation, uh, we 
become disciples of Christ, meaning um, followers of Christ. And being a disciple of Christ, it will cost you. It will cost us. So salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us. So when we come into Christ, Jesus, uh, he requires us to follow him, meaning Jesus is asking us to be fully dedicated to him. And this means that when we come into salvation, when we come to Christ, God is asking that we reverse our lives. Okay. What he's saying is that everything that we have in front of our lives, our job, our children, relationships, marriages, or whatever, he wants us to put it um, in reverse. So let me explain. Most of the time, we put everything before Christ. We put everything before Jesus Christ. And then we try to fit Christ in our life somehow. Okay? Meaning sometimes we can put Jesus Christ on the back burner, even though he is the sustainer of our lives. We put him on the back burner. He's a giver of our life and he's a sustainer of our life. Okay. We tend to put Jesus last. We tend to make him an afterthought. And Jesus is saying, I want you to reverse your life. Meaning Jesus is saying, put me in front and put everything else behind him. Or he's saying, Put me at the top of your priority list and put everything else below him. Okay. Why? Because he's a giver of all things. Everything that you have that is good came from Jesus. That's why he needs to be put first. And Jesus tells us that uh, he says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Meaning, if you want to follow Christ, then you will have to make a decision to set aside selfish interest. And you will have to express a willingness to endure whatever may come your way. While at the same time, believing in Jesus and conforming to his example of living. And if need be, you might have to suffer or even die because of your faith in Jesus Christ. So we're talking about the cost of discipleship. So when Jesus is saying that we must take up our cross, uh, Jesus is speaking symbolically. He is not telling us to pick up a physical cross. We don't have to go around walking with some big wooden cross. Um, That's not what Jesus is asking us to do. The cross itself, it is symbolic for suffering. It's symbolic for shame. It's symbolic for ridicule, rejection, self-denial, and even death for his name's sake and for the gospel's sake. And when we decide to follow Christ, we are committing ourselves to suffering. We're committing ourselves to shame and to ridicule and to be rejected 
self-denial. We're, we're committing ourselves to certain areas of struggle and suffering. And one of the areas that we are committing ourselves to um, is to suffer in a lifelong battle against sin by crucifying our own sinful desires. If you go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, the Bible tells us that if we follow Christ, we will need to have changed lives. Why? Because Christ himself, while he was in the body here on earth, he suffered. And we need to strengthen ourselves with the same kind of thinking Christ had. Okay, what does that mean? So when Christ was in the body, he suffered. So because we're in the body, we need to suffer. Because the one who accepts suffering in his life is the one who decides to stop sinning. Okay? When we decide to stop sinning, what we were, what we are actually deciding to do is we are deciding to suffer. We're deciding to have some pain. We're deciding to endure. We're deciding to tolerate some hard times. Because, how can I put this? Sin comes in many different forms, okay? Many different forms. Some people may struggle with fornication. Some people may struggle with anger. Some people may have the gift of the comeback, when somebody says something to you, make a snarky remark, you want to come back with something to hurt that person because you don't, you didn't like what that person said to you. But when you're in Christ, the evidence of the, the spirit in you is self-control. So you're going to have to learn how to withhold your tongue for the sake of Christ. Because if you have the gift of the comeback. <laughs> then you're not showing that Christ is in you. If you can't. Control yourself. Sexually. You're not showing that Christ is in you. So that's why the Bible is saying that if we're going to be like Christ, we need to suffer in the body like he did. Because much, many things were done to Christ and he didn't say a word. He was tempted in many ways and never sinned. Now, I know we're not Christ and we're, we're not going to be perfect, but 
we are not to live in habitual sin. And the Bible tells us that we ought to strengthen ourselves so that we will live our lives here on earth doing what God wants and not the evil things that people want to do. Because in the past, we've wasted too much time as believers doing things, um, doing those uh, things like the unbelievers, like the world, like the Gentiles who don't know God. And Jesus is telling us that if you're going to follow me, it's time to stop doing those things. You need to make a decision. It's time to stop living immoral lives, doing the evil things that we want to do. It's time to stop. First Peter 4 saying we were getting drunk. You know, I'm saying we, but I don't drink, but you know, I was, I was a sinner. And having wild parties and doing shameful things, meaning doing things that we are obsessed with. It's time to stop if you want to follow Jesus. He's saying sin has to cease. It has to stop. That's the cost of discipleship. You can no longer do the passions and the desires and have immoral lives like unbelievers have. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you everything. Next, the Bible says that when we follow Christ and we choose to be his disciple, we will suffer in a war against Satan and the powers of darkness as we advance in the kingdom of God. Anyone who is being uh, or decides to be a true minister of God you're going to have to fight the good fight of faith. The Christian life, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, is a life. It's a life of a fight. It's a fight. It's an intense struggle that requires persevering and loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to contend with adversaries. You're going to have to contend with rivals. You're going to have to contend with people who challenge the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you will face persecution that comes from standing against false teachers who distort the true gospel. Listen, there are many Christians in the world, many people 
who interpret the gospel in their own way. There are few people who really hold the authenticity of the gospel. And, and, and people like to twist it these days, particularly in this generation. Nobody wants to hear about judgment and sin and living a righteous and holy life. I have people that come to me and they say, Tanisha, Dr. Manette, how can you live? How can anybody live a righteous life? They can if Christ be in you. And if you really love the Lord, you can. He's not saying live a perfect life, but he is calling you to live a morally ethical life in him. The Bible says, without holiness, no one would see the Lord. And if you stand on the side of righteousness, if you stand on the side of holiness and to live a separated life, you will be persecuted from people in the church. That's part of your cost of of following Christ. That's what you're going to have to pay for. God calls all of us who choose to believe in him to stand firm in the faith and let nothing move us regardless of where we worship, what occupation we're in, even in our marriage that he's allowed us to be in or even in the family that we're born into. If they don't agree with you, according to the truth of God, not your opinion, God has called you to follow him anyway and to stand firm. This is why Paul is telling Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he's saying, listen, we must fight to keep our faith. Because people are going to challenge your belief if you stand on the word of God. They're going to try to come against the knowledge of God and try to twist scripture. And that's, that's, that's Satan's tactic, his method to get you to fall, to get you to uh, come in agreement with the world. And Paul is telling Timothy Try as hard as you can to win that fight. God is calling us believers to be exponents. That's someone who can defend the faith. He's calling us to be fighters, advocators, backers of the faith, defenders of the faith. And he's saying, fight as hard as you can to win that fight against the true knowledge of God. You got to keep it. And he's saying, take hold of eternal life. It is the life you were chosen to have when you confessed your faith in Jesus. When you first gave your life to Jesus Christ. Okay. 
You remember that moment when you gave your life to Jesus Christ and you trusted in him? And you remember how you felt that peace, that salvation, that love, that cleansing upon you? Paul is saying, don't lose it. You got to take hold of it. Okay? Because the enemy is always trying to keep you from standing firm in what you have. He's trying to take it. Not that he can, unless you allow him to. But if you stand firm in your uh, faith in Jesus Christ and you're following him, then he can't take it. Okay? Also, when we choose to follow Christ, when we are become true disciples of Christ, we're going to have to pay the cost of being hated and ridiculed by the world. Okay? Because we're required as believers to testify to the world in love that its deeds are evil. Okay? There's a lot going on in the world, and I'm going to say some things that are pretty deep. But I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and these things have to be said. Many people will be angry when you call abortion murder. Right now, people arguing the fact of whether when life begins in the womb. They're arguing that. It's an argument to take innocent blood. That's how wicked the world is. There's a fight going on between the kingdom of God and between the kingdom of of Satan. And because of the pressure, political pressures and personal pressures going on, and even in your own life, when, when you make a mistake and when you sin and let me tell you something i don't know if anybody's listening if you're pregnant or been pregnant or you 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 know you have to take a life god will forgive you okay he will forgive you if, if you've taken a life but if you are currently pregnant and you don't know what to do the enemy is going to feed you lies about what to do because he comes to what kill he comes to steal and he comes to destroy and he's going to tell you in the beginning of that pregnancy because you're so afraid or whatever the reasons he's going to tell you ah that baby's not really a baby but i want to tell you something the bible tells us in leviticus 17 11 the bible tells us that for the life of the body is in its blood So if there is blood, then there is life. Okay? Life is in the blood. And if you take an innocent life, it's murder. We commit murder. And I know that uh, those are hard decisions. But If we boldly say this in the world, I want you to understand the cost that you're going to have to pay. The world will hate you because 
you're telling the world that their deeds are evil. You're going to have to pay for it if you choose to stand with Christ and follow Christ. If you say in love that God created only male and female, or that marriage is between one man and one woman, the world's going to hate you because you have openly called the world's deeds evil. That's the cost of following Christ. If you say that Jesus has died for all mankind and not just your kind. I see there's some um, religions out here. And they'll say, you know, God didn't die for this, these people, only for our people. It's pride and haughtiness. Jesus Christ died for the world. And if you openly defend that and say that Jesus died for everybody, you're going to get some backlash. The world's going to hate you because you have called their deeds evil. Jesus Christ is calling us to take up our cross. Are you willing to take up your cross? Are you willing to separate yourself morally and spiritually for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to refuse to accept the world's standards and the world's philosophy, philosophies as your own for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to take up your cross and follow after Jesus? Because if you are, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your life. We cannot sit at Jesus' table and Satan's table too. The world will have you second-guessing your faith and your beliefs. The world will have you rationalizing with Christ in your heart. The world will have you justifying wrongdoing. The world will have you saying, uh, calling what is evil good and what is good evil. Do you really follow Christ? Are you really his disciple? Do you really love him? Are you willing to be an outcast for him? Are you willing to be ridiculed for him? going to cost you. Lastly, we might suffer from the religious world just as Jesus did. The Bible tells us that we have to guard ourselves against accepting the views of those who preach human ideas, unbiblical traditions or some type of secular humanistic type of gospel. Not there's any not that there's any other gospel. The Bible calls this leaven. If you don't read your word of God, you will find yourself in churches 
who preach another gospel. Who misinterpret scripture. And it will cause, it can cause you to turn away from Christ. A lot of people that turn away from from Christ, they don't express that out loud. It's not all the time people are saying, I'm just going to turn away from Christ. People turn away from Christ because of who they follow. They're just following people. You know, it is in our nature. What one, what one man does, we, we do, we, we kind of mimic each other. You know, that's why we have trends and fads and things like that. We, we, we mimic each other. People don't typically just say, I, I don't believe in Jesus no more. No, they just, their hearts turn because of, uh, you know, who they who they are around and who they are listening to. It's like their knowledge of God begins to dis- diminish. It begins to fade out. That's why you have to fight the good fight of faith. You have to keep God in your foreknowledge. When Jesus is saying, before you make a decision, to follow me. He's saying sit back and decide if you can really follow him. This morning when I um, did the talk earlier on what it means to be a true discipleship, I kind of gave um, you know, a, a personal testimony of mine. And um, I and um, I had talked about you know, I say this all the time, I gave my life to Christ when I was 15, but Um, After a while, I went back into the world for about 22 years. And um, I remember, you know, and I've said this over again, you know, over and over again. um, I was living in an apartment with my husband and my children. And, uh, you know, I just remember kind of thinking to myself that this this relationship with with Jesus wasn't working. I, I was just. I mean, it just, it just wasn't working. It didn't feel like anything to me anymore. I didn't, I didn't hear the voice of God anymore. And, um, you know, I had considered the fact that I wasn't even studying the word of God. I wasn't, I didn't even open my Bible and I had to sit back in that moment and I had to make a decision if I was going to really follow Christ. I had to decide, you know what? I need to read this Bible. I don't read the Bible. I mean, it, it looks like a big book and <laughs> where do I begin? And, and the funny thing is when we get, you know, any other book to read, we just open it from the first page. But for whatever reason, when we have the Bible, it's like, where do I begin? Well, just open it up like you would a regular book. And you know how to use some common sense, but that's, you know, to me, I think that's even another trick of the enemy as well. Um, making us think that you know, like we don't know where, you know, like the Bible's so big and has so much information. We don't know where to begin. Um, that was one thing. And also before I read the Bible, I used to think it was going to take me forever to get to all the scriptures that, you know, people knew in the Bible. I'm like, Oh, you know, and that wasn't true. It goes, you know, especially when you're in the gospel, it just goes right into 
the gospel. You know, there's no long drawn out stories. And so um, I had to sit back and decide if I was going to dedicate myself to reading the word of God and studying it and really finding out what was required of me. And I did. And I decided that. And the reason why I decided that is because I wanted to be all in for Christ. I wanted to be sold out. I wanted to be his. I wanted my affections to be made alive again. I wanted to be connected. I wanted him to be my father and I to be his daughter, you know, and I sat back and I decided, can I follow him? And Jesus is saying, sit back. He, he tells us in the book, he, he says, sit back and, and decide if you can follow me. And he tells us in Luke 14, starting at 25, um, he says, many people were traveling with him. And he, and he said to them, if you come to me, but will not leave your family, he says, you cannot be my follower. You must love me more than your father, your mother, more than your wife and your children, your brothers and sisters, and even more than your own life. And whoever will not carry the cross that is given to them when they follow me cannot be my follower. And what Jesus is saying, uh, you know, the word hate in this passage, it just means to love less. Jesus demands that our loyalty uh, to him is greater than every other attachment in our own lives. And I had to decide that in my life. I was putting everything before Jesus Christ, my family, my kids, uh, whatever I had to do, you know, if it was a job, everything was going before Jesus. And he's like, if you want to follow me, then you're going to have to love those things less than me. And the reason why I have to love those things less than me is because he gave them to me. He created those things. I can't love his creation more than the creator. And I'd sit back. Wait a minute. And sometimes you're afraid because you don't know what that, at the time, you don't know what that means because you think like, oh, well, you know, I get up. The first thing I do is take care of my family, do this, this, and this, and that. But you're not giving any time to God. And it's like, you think it's going to take away something, but really it adds onto your life. But anyways, I'm getting off track. But, But Jesus is saying, listen, if you... If you wanted to build a building or if if you want to build a house, he said, you would first sit down and decide how much it would cost. You, you, You would calculate the cost. You would see if you would have enough money to finish the job. Because he said, if you don't do that, you know, when you get ready to buy a house or you want to build a building or something, you, you, you calculate the cost. And he said, if you don't do that, you might begin the work, begin the work, but you wouldn't, you, you know, you might not be able to finish because you didn't count the cost. And then he said, if you don't finish, if you couldn't finish, then everyone would laugh at you. Everyone would ridicule you. And they would say, huh, that girl, she began to build and she couldn't finish. Look at that. She laid her foundation on her, for her house, but she couldn't finish it. He, what is Jesus saying? He's saying that whoever desires to follow him and be his disciples should first decide whether he or she is prepared to pay the cost. 
I gave an example this morning. I was saying that, um, have you ever seen someone, let, let me, let me not even use someone. I'm going to use myself as, as an example. I'm going to give another example. I remember one time I was going through a hard time with my husband. It, it wasn't even a big deal. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it wasn't even a big deal, but, um, in, you know, I was still growing in, in my maturity in my marriage. But, um, I remember I was like, I'm out of this marriage. I'm gone. I was so bitter and so upset over something stupid, just so silly. And, uh, I, I, I was like over it. I'm like, Nope, I'm done. You know? And God gave me this dream. And um, in the dream, I re- it, it was like, um, I guess I had moved out on my own. And I, I, um, at the time in real life, not in the dream, I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. But before, I remember before I went to bed, I decided I'm going to find a job and I'm going to take care of myself. And so in a dream, I, I got a a job apparently. And I think I was on a lunch break and I went to go, um, get some lunch and I was in the store and I remember, um, in the store, no one would help me. No one would help me in the store. Then I decided to go get some pizza and no one would help me. And then I decided to walk back to my car. I was like, fine, I guess I'll go back to my car. And I was kind of sad that no one would help me. And I remember like my car, I had like this old, you know, car. Now, you know, not making fun of anybody that has this kind of car, but um, I kind of have a newer car now. But in the dream, I had this like old Dodge blue neon. I don't don't know what year it was, but it was old, like back when I was like in high school or something, um, which was over 25 years ago. But um, I I was walking, walking back to this car. And as I was walking by, I heard these girls driving by in this nice black convertible Camaro. I couldn't see their faces, but I could hear their voices and they sound like women that I knew. And they were like, Oh my goodness, is that Nikki? Now Nikki is my nickname that my family called me and they were making fun of me. And I woke up and I remember thinking that this is exactly what, um, the scripture when Jesus is saying, you know, what man decides to build a building and and doesn't first decide to count the cost, lest he begins to build and he's unable to finish and then he'll be ridiculed. And in that dream, I believe God was showing me that you started out well, but you didn't count the cost and you didn't finish and you walked away and you were being ridiculed. I was being laughed at in the dream because I had quit in the midst of me following him. And boy, did that scare me. I went right back and told my husband, I'm so sorry. I got on my knees. Forgive me. I love you. Forgive me. And I, and, 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 you know, I, I went on about my life and, and, and I thank God for him showing me that, you know, the cost of real discipleship means that you and I, as believers have to give up all of our relationships and our possessions such as material things, our family, our own lives, our desires, our plans, our interests. Jesus is not saying that you got to reject those things. But what he's saying is you need to put it at his feet and give him control of everything. You need to make him sovereign over your life. 
what it means to follow Christ, to be a true disciple of him. Give it all to Jesus. Put it behind you and put put it behind Jesus. Put Jesus in front of everything and let him, let him be the master of your life. And you deal with your family according to his way. You love them the way that he loves them. You use his kind of wisdom, okay, to, um, how can I say it? You use his kind of wisdom to kind of manage your life, manage your family's life, dealing with any kind of relationship at work. Follow his way. Use his fruit of the spirit. He says, be wise as a serpent and be gentle as a dove. That's what he he calls us to be. Be wise. Be wise as a serpent. Serpents are wise and crafty. This is a good craftiness, not an evil craftiness. And be gentle as doves. Get wisdom in the things that you do in life. Get understanding. Get knowledge. Don't see things out of your own eyes. Put on the eyes of Christ. Suffer for your brother's sake. And your brother is your husband, your colleague, for your neighbor's sake. Suffer for them. It's going to help your relationships. He says in verse 31, if And I'm in the book of Luke 14. He says in verse 31, if a king is going to fight against another king, he says, first he will sit down and plan. And if he has only 10,000 men, he will try to decide if he is able to defeat the other king who has 20,000 men. If he thinks he cannot defeat the other king, he will send some men to ask for peace while that king's army is still far away. And Jesus saying, it is the same for you and I. We must leave everything we have to follow him. And if we cannot leave everything, then we cannot be his follower. He's saying, count the cost. Decide if you can follow him. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you. For whosoever wishes to save his life in this world, will eventually lose it through death. But whosoever loses his life in this world, for Jesus' sake and for the gospel's sake, will save it. You'll save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. Jesus says, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? Meaning, what does it profit you to gain the world and its pleasures? What you desire, your way, how you want it, and forfeit your soul. For what will a man give in exchange for a soul and eternal life in God's kingdom? If you want to save your life, you need to lose it and count the cost and follow Jesus. And accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior demands not only believing the truth about the gospel, but it also means that you're committing yourself to, a, uh, to sacrificially following Jesus Christ. 
And that choice is always going to be, be is between denying ourselves or living for our own selfish desires. That's a choice that you're going to make daily as you decide to follow Christ. And that choice is going to determine your eternal future. It's going to determine your eternal destination. Don't make the goal in your life to live your best life. I know that's the slogan. I, I, I might be older than some of these millennials, but live your best life. No. Make it your goal to live in the will of God and by his principles and by his standards so that in the end, when you meet God, that you will not be disappointed, that you will not have lost at the end of your life. But I want to encourage you to renounce your own ways and live in a fellowship with Jesus and base your life on his teachings of his word in the word of God. And then that is when you will find true life. And you will find joy here on earth and in the life to come. Jesus said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for his sake and for the gospel, the same shall save it. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after Jesus cannot be his disciple. This is Dr. Manette with Soul and Peace on this wisdom community. God loves you. I love you. God bless you and have a wonderful night. Thank you for allowing me to redo uh, this talk. Um, I love you all. Have a good night.